0: So, amen, come on in, in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Genesis, chapter 17, and just kind of going to recap a little bit here today about what we talked about Amen, last week. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, I, I do want to say that I try to stick to uh, what what the progression is, but... There's times where I feel like the whole point of doing the Bible study with the church is to take times and take moments and uh, within the text and just share some things from the text that also are going to help your life today and help the church culturally and all these different things. So that's a little bit of what I'm going to do here tonight. So I'm going to I'm going to be within the text. We're going to stay within it um, and it's going to lead us to the next part. But I'm I'm going to be a little abstract here tonight as I teach this. And, uh, and and uh, hopefully you'll understand what I mean here in a minute. Uh, but I do have a couple questions. I'm going to save one of the questions that I received. Both are great questions. But I'm going to save one of the questions I received in that box. And, and in case you didn't know, there is a box in the back. If you have any questions relating to the Bible, so you can ask them. I'm going to save one of these questions because it will be addressed in a future Bible study. Uh, but I got a question here uh, when we were going through our lesson uh, about Abram, Abram meeting with the king of Sodom. And the question was, why wasn't the king of Sodom named? And I think this is a great question because that shows that somebody is becoming a student of the word and they're noticing these nuances. And, and, and really, when we read the book of Exodus, for example, and uh, you can and this I'll talk about this more when we get to Exodus, but when you read the first five books of the Old Testament known as the Pentateuch, or the Torah, depending on if you're reading in Greek or Hebrew, you'll notice we call the book of Genesis the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus the book of Exodus. But uh, the book of Exodus is not actually its name. That's just what we called it in English. When you look at it in Hebrew, the book of Genesis is named after the first few letters of the book. So in the beginning, the genus, the Genesis. And that's why we call it. But when you look at the book of Exodus, for example, it says this, this is the first few phrases. This is how you get the title of the book in Hebrew. These are the names. And if you notice in the book of Hebrew, in the book of Exodus or the book of names, it is actually letting you know who is important and who is not important based on whether or not the Bible gave them a name. Notice how the Bible says in Exodus, and I'm just quoting off the top of my head, there arose a new king that knew not Joseph. It names Joseph, but not Pharaoh. Amen. Pharaoh not being a name. It's being a title of king because it's trying to let you know Joseph is important, but Pharaoh is not. It names the midwives that were wise and uh, and and it names uh, as we later get the name of Moses' mother and we get the name of Moses' sister Miriam and, her, and their brother Aaron and we get all these names of people that would seemingly be insignificant, but when you look at Pharaoh who should be the most uh, the most important character in the first little bit of that book, he's not even named. It's the same thing with the fact that it would name Melchizedek, but it wouldn't name the king of Sodom. Because the king of Sodom is not important. Melchizedek is. Abram's important, but the king of Sodom isn't. So, amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. And so we're going to kind of recap this. We talked in Genesis 16 uh, about, about Abram who got discouraged and and in a moment of discouragement, after many years, ten years wandering through the land, getting frustrated with the process, his wife came up with a, a, a new idea. Let's do this without the help of God. And that's always gonna spell trouble. And everybody said, Amen. And they said, We're gonna take Hagar, who we got from Egypt. Amen. Another detour gone wrong. We're gonna we're gonna trust in something other than the Lord. We're going to make this happen by our own means and by our own effort. Again, a typology of how the law works. It's done by human effort. You know, religion simply says this, and law-based thinking says this, try harder, do more. Amen. The, grace, is, grace is the opposite. So the law would say this, do this or, uh, or, or you're going to die. But grace says live and do this. Amen. It starts from the position of, of, of life. It starts from the position of salvation. We are not saved by our works. And when you get into grace, we understand that. But because we're saved, we do work. We do, we do things, amen, in accordance with the word of God. We live right. And so uh, what what it's saying here, when we look at Ishmael being created by human effort, and we'll talk about this in the next couple Bible studies about what Ishmael really represents and what Hagar represents, uh, according to Galatians. But it's the law. It's the Old Testament. It's human effort. And God did not want the promised child to be given by human effort. Salvation does not come by human effort. It comes by the will and the purpose of God. And everybody said amen. So they got frustrated, and they said, we're going to create a promise of our own. And Abram conceives a child with his handmaid. And the failure of Ishmael means God now has to do some converting. Because his promise was on Abram, but now he's got to convert him from Abram to Abraham. And the land that he's going to give him is the land of Canaan. Thus redeeming Ham who sinned and Canaan who was cursed. Amen. This new covenant was given. This covenant was made with, with God and God makes this covenant with the children of Abraham before Abraham has any any children. Abram has a son, but Abraham doesn't yet have a son. So he makes this covenant, and God says, I'm going to supply a land for you. I've got a blessing for you, but I'm going to have some requirements for you. It had to be circumcision. Circumcision was the sign. It was an everlasting sign. And without it, you were cut off from God. It's very important. You had to, you had to have circumcision as a sign of covenant. It was not recommended. It was necessary. It was required. And the sign of the new covenant in the New Testament is no longer circumcision of the flesh, but it's circumcision of the heart. And if you have your Bibles, we're gonna we're gonna just kind of if you want, we'll turn to this one real quick. It'll be the only verse for our recap. I'm gonna turn to, but but Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter 2, I'll give you a minute to get there. And verse 11. I pulled an audible on the sound man today. I said, you know what, just, just pull up scriptures as I call them because it's going to be a little unorthodox today. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. In whom you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And it connects these two thoughts. The circumcision of Christ, which Romans calls the circumcision of the heart. Buried with him in baptism. That's what y'all did on Sunday. You were buried with him in baptism. But I, I love it because Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Three days later he got up, and we didn't we didn't put y'all under the water and leave you till the bubbles didn't come up. Amen. Everybody here, thank God for that. They didn't leave me under. Amen. But you are risen up out of that watery grave, and you are now to walk in newness of life. The Bible speaking, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hallelujah. Thank God for baptism. Amen. The Bible says, bear with him in baptism in which you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Again, if you want, you can read Colossians chapter 2. It'll give you a deeper understanding how he nailed our sins to his cross. Just an incredible, incredible story there. But the circumcision of the New Testament is no longer physical. It is no longer, um, it is no longer the Old Testament rite of, of physical mutilation. But now it is being buried with him in baptism. And so when somebody says, I'm, I'm not saved by works, I don't need to be baptized, they misunderstand what work is. And I said it last week, but work is when God told Abram to get a sharp rock. That's work. It's by human effort. But when we are simply joining him in baptism, and he's doing all the work by washing our sins away, it it was no work at all. All I had to do was get in the water and be baptized. We found last week in Mark 16, 15 through 16, that we we, we must not only believe, but we must be baptized to be saved. We read in John 3, 3 through 5, amen, that we must be born again of water, and of spirit we learn in Acts 238 that baptism is for the remission the washing away Of our sins. We learn in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, that they were commanded to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It wasn't a recommendation, it was a requirement. We learn in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, that baptism washes away sin. And we learn in 1 Peter 3 and 21 that baptism saves us. Praise God. Amen. In baptism, we learned last week is always administered in the name of Jesus Christ and only in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn back to Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to finish this. Amen. And we're going to continue on in our Bible study here today. Chapter 17 and verse 22. Genesis chapter 17 in verse number 22 so god gives him the covenant of circumcision and notice this and he left off talking with him and god went up from abraham god told him what to do and then god left he left off talking with him he stopped speaking with him he gave him the reassurance of the promise he gave him the covenant and then he stopped speaking with him. He told him that this is what he reaffirmed to him in chapter 17 that you and Sarah, your new names, Abraham and Sarah, not Abram and Sarai, new people that have now have the new circumcision, that are new creations in this old covenant, you are going to have a son. It is going to be by a miraculous birth, being over 90 years old, it's going to be miraculous. And you are going to name him Isaac, which means laughter. God had already preordained what his name would be. And verse 22, God left off speaking with them. Verses 23 through 27, Abram obeyed all that God commanded him in regards to circumcision. It didn't matter if they were related to Abraham or if they were just a servant in his household. They all had to endure circumcision. Amen. The Bible even says that they all must. They all had to. There was no other way, just as it is with baptism. We all must be born again. Everybody in the house or a stranger in the house had to be born again according to the Old Testament law of circumcision. Amen. And so let's go to Genesis chapter 18. And this is where I'm going to lead into today. You'll understand why I said it's a little orthodox, but we're going to get into it. Amen. We talked about a a fundamental theology for salvation last week. And today we're going to talk about Christian living a little bit. And this is going to be uh, important. Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 1. Genesis 18 and 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door at the heat of the day we are getting the benefit of hindsight we know who came to abram but abram doesn't know who came to him abram sees that there in verse 2 he doesn't know who's coming to meet with him he lifted up his eyes and looked and lo three mo- three men stood by him and when he saw them this is his first response he ran to meet them at the tent door now notice he didn't see three angels. He didn't see three men in glowing apparel. Amen. He just saw three strangers. And this was the reaction of a 99-year-old man. So all my elders in the house get ready. Amen. We're going to we're going to help you out here today. Amen. When he saw them, he ran. All my elders get ready to run. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground. Man, that's a lot of popping and cracking happening right there. Ninety-nine years old. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under a tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and I will comfort you, your hearts. And after that you shall pass on, for therefore you are come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abram hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, I'm sure every wife would love this. Hurry up, <laughs> make a meal, three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes upon the hearth." He said, we got to hurry up and cook some dinner. Why? Because there's some strangers that have unexpectedly, unannounced, showed up at our house um, I, I know every wife would just love that. Late night, middle of the day, doesn't matter what it is, just hurry up and make some food because we've got guests that we were not anticipating to come. And all the ladies said amen. Especially how he, he talks to her. I don't, I don't know, that's kind of dangerous. Even at 99, I mean, she just got to push him over and it's over. <laughs> amen. But now notice what he does. And Abram ran under the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, Notice, he's doing this all himself. Now, I want you to notice something about Abram. Abram is called in the Bible. He's one of the few people in the Bible, if, if, uh, and, and if memory serves me, he's the only person in the Bible called the friend of God. Abram, who is the father of the faithful, the friend of God. I want you to notice his heartbeat. He sees these three random people, these strangers, and he runs. And he, catch, he grabs a calf, tender and good, he gives it to the young man, and he hastened to dress it. He said, all right, guys, let's get this work going, but I'm going to work on this. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Okay, I told you it's going to be a little abstract here today, but this is going to be good for your personal life. This is going to be good for our church. This is going to be good for Christian living. Amen. you got to just trust me and hang on, hang on to this uh, for a little bit. But in chapter 18, we're finding two uh, biblical motifs that are important to Christian living. Number one is the doctrine and the understanding, the revelation of hospitality. Everybody say hospitality. Everybody shout hospitality. Amen. Not hospital. Everybody shout hospitality. Amen. Okay, so we're seeing two motifs, hospitality and everybody say intercession. Those are the two things you're going to find in chapter 18, hospitality and intercession. And if time serves me well, we'll get through both of them. If not, we'll come back to intercession at another time. But in Genesis 18, 1 through 8, we see Abraham finds three strangers. And I just want to say something real quick. Amen. The Bible says in verse 1, the Lord appeared to him. And there's a lot of people that without reading the context of the scriptures, they see the number three. And if they are of a a biblical persuasion that it's not accurate with the rest of scripture, they would say, look, there's the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's not what that's saying. In fact, if you just follow the text a little further, you will find it is the angel of the Lord and two angels. These two angels depart from Abram. So again, we're seeing one Lord, not three, one. And then two angels that go off and they go down into Sodom and Gomorrah later on in the chapter. You can read that for yourself. But I want you to really notice this, that the Lord appears unto Abraham, but Abraham doesn't know it's the Lord. Abraham just sees three random strangers. He did not get the insight that we have got from this text. Uh, Yet at 99 years old, he is running around getting water, Making sure his wife, who's also in her 90s, is cooking and making bread. And he's running and, and he's going out to the farm and he's grabbing the calf. Not the, not the worst one, not the least one. He's grabbing the very best. Amen. And he's going out there and making sure uh, he's milking some cows and he's getting some butter together. And he's getting the very best that he can provide, not for royalty not for the rich not for those that you would expect him to do that for but for three strangers that showed up unexpectedly and unannounced amen he's got food cooked and he's serving them not serving himself he's watching them eat and he's not getting food for himself he is waiting on them like we go at a restaurant and they wait upon us is there anything i can get you do you need anything can I, can I, what, what other way can I serve you? Can I make sure that you got everything? You get where I'm going. We're going somewhere here today. Amen. Is there, what can I do for you? You know, there's a lot of people, they talk about waiting on the Lord. We sang about it on Sunday. Amen. But they always want to wait on the Lord like this. You know, just, all right, God, I'm waiting. Hurry up and show up. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm being patient, a little impatiently patient, but I'm there But I want to tell you, wait is a lot more than that. Wait means to serve. It means to intertwine yourself. It means to get intermingled and and to get mixed in with. And I want to tell you, as people of God, we are called, and I preach about it, we're called to wait. But it's not just to sit and do nothing. It's not inactivity, but it's to involve oneself in the work of the Lord. We talked about it, but Jesus is going to return. Amen. And when he returns, I wonder, what's he going to find us doing? Are we going to be sitting there with our arms folded just waiting according to what the world calls wait? Or are we going to do some biblical waiting uh, where it's what else can I do? How else can I serve? In what avenue or what area in which I can involve myself taking care of strangers? is a commandment throughout the Bible. But before it was common practice, Abraham was the one doing it. Before it was a biblical command, Abraham was doing it. And some people say, well, no, that was just the practice of the day. No, it wasn't. Amen. When Abraham went to Egypt, he tried to lie. He said, hey, he told his wife, he said, you're really pretty, so just say you're my sister. Because he knew they weren't about to invite him over for dinner. They were about to kill him. Amen. And later on, you'll find he he does it again when he comes before Abimelech. He sees Abimelech and he says, you know what? Just act like you're my sister because I because the customs of the time. And you even find that that lot when he's in Sodom and Gomorrah, He tries to do what Abraham's doing, but he's doing it for a different reason. He says, uh, come into my house. Now, he's not doing it out of love. He's doing it out of fear for those angels. He doesn't know they're angels. They're just strangers. And he knows how wicked the city is. And I have no doubt he learned some of these things from Abraham. But this thing that Abraham does, we look at it like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to happen. But we take for granted that there was no Bible. There was no law. There was no word. And yet in the heart of Abraham, he said, we're going to be hospitable. Abraham said, we're going to take care of these three strangers in fact he said don't leave don't go anywhere just stay here under my tent flap stay here under the shade of the tree and i'll serve you at 99 years old deuteronomy chapter 10 if you want to turn to your bibles verse 16 deuteronomy chapter 10 And verse 16. Now, if there's anything my brain's got, it's like a hyperlink. I connect words just like Wikipedia. What does this have to do with our previous Bible study? I got you. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Amen. This is pointing, the shadow is pointing towards the New Testament. And be no more stiff-necked. Amen. Circumcision of the heart should change how you are, not just with those that you love and care about. Baptism is not just to wash your soul and to get you saved to where I'm saved, now I'm better than everybody. That's not what that is. It's I'm saved, now where can I serve? I'm saved, now how can I help? I'm saved, now what What more can I do? Amen. That's, that's actually the circumcision of the heart. And so... Uh, continue on. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, Lord of lords, and a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless, the widow, and loveth the stranger, in giving him food and raiment. Amen. Notice how he's God saying, I am God. I am a God above. If there is he, he later says, "There's no God before me; neither shall there be after me. There's no God beside me. He's the only God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But he's saying, even the even the little g gods that are worshipped in this world. He said, I just want to let you know how much better I am than all of them. I am supreme upon above all of them. I am King of Kings, Lord of Lord, God of Gods, and I take care of the fatherless, the widow, and I love the stranger." And I make sure that I give him food. And I make sure I give him raiment. That's the Lord. Now notice the connection because it's easy to say, well, God does that. He does that for us. Love ye therefore the stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Amen. It is a biblical command that we are are to be hospitable to the stranger. I promise we're going somewhere with this tonight. Romans 12 and 13, you don't have to turn there if you don't want. We'll, we'll actually have you turn open to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Amen. The very ending, you can read Romans 12 and 13. You can write it down and read it later. In fact, if you need notes, i got all my notes. You can have all of them. Uh, but it, it tells us that as much as we are to be uh, working with the attitude and the spirit of love, we are to be given to hospitality. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 the requirements for the bishops and the deacons and the elders in the church is they had to be given to hospitality amen first peter chapter 4 verse 8 amen first peter chapter 4 verse 8 amen it says this and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity covers the multitude of sins. Now, this is gonna be this is gonna hurt. Get ready, it's gonna hurt all of us a little bit. Use hospitality in what spirit? The spirit of love. One to another without grudging. Everybody think about Thanksgiving dinner and your weird uncle. You ever use hospitality cuz you felt like well I have to but it's not in the spirit of love and it's you really didn't want to and you do it begrudgingly He's saying the higher standard of the grace of the law of grace is this you do things with love and you do them without being begrudging the fact that you had to do it You ever done something for somebody and you didn't want to do it and you felt and you were mad that you had to do it but you you put on a smile I get it there's times for that there's times for that but the higher law is this is that we get to a place where we're so full of love amen we're so full of the grace of God and the goodness of God that when we serve one another we love one another it is not amen just to it's a it's not to get a one up on one another It's not to keep tally and to keep track. Well, I've done five good things for them, and they've only done two good things for me, and so I'm a little angry and I'm a little mad. That's not what that's saying. It's saying we operate in the spirit of love, the same spirit that Jesus operated in, that agape that unconditional love, and we use hospitality one with another. We don't do it begrudgingly. Amen. Uh, listen, you'd be better off not inviting anybody over to your home than to invite them over to your home and hate it the whole time. You'd be better off just uh, to, to not not go and spend time with people. Amen. Than to be there and hate it the whole time and be mad about it and have a sour attitude about it. You just it'd be better for you to wait until you can pray through to let love so strike you that all. All of a sudden, I want to tell you what love can do. Love will make you more hospitable. Love will make you want to be around people. I, I notice people that are not full of the Holy Ghost or have not prayed through in a while. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. When you see people that don't want to be around other people, amen, I usually can tell their Holy Ghost is a little low. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost will make you love the unlovable. The Holy Ghost will make you handle people that are hard to handle. The whole... It'll make you put up with people that you don't normally put up with when you're full of the Holy Ghost. Now, let me just say this. Everybody's starting somewhere. Them shaking your hand might be the Holy Ghost in full operation. Well, they didn't hug me. They didn't want to even touch you. Just let them let them shake your hand. Praise God. It's the Holy Ghost in full operation. Praise God. There's other people that they, you know what, they they, they were able to sustain a three-minute conversation with you. That's the Holy Ghost in full operation. Praise God. All my introverts said Amen really quietly and individually, praise God. And so, but you know, so what am I, I'm saying all of this, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere with this. Don't judge one another based on how you are. Hallelujah. Because, uh, and I'm not saying there is a standard that everybody needs to go by. I'm just saying there's a biblical standard in which can be applied to everybody's life. Amen. Somebody saying, you know what, I'm going to have One person, I'm going to take one person out to coffee. That's the Holy Ghost operating in their life at the maximum, maximum, maximum. And the other person having 40 people over is the Holy Ghost operating at the maximum. You just let them work the way God's working on them. Amen. But the ultimate goal is that we are so full of love that we want to serve one another. We're so full of love that we want to be hospitable one to another. And everybody shout amen. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse number 1. Remember all of this as I'm speaking. Abraham had no idea who these three men were. They were just random strangers. Hebrews 13 and 1. Let brotherly love continue. Which means brotherly love has to start somewhere. Amen. It can't continue if it never starts. So if you don't have love for your brother, pray through. (laughs) Get in the altar and pray until you love your brother. Well, they offended me. Get over it because I'm going to offend you before it's all said and done. You're going to offend me, but we're all going to heaven together. Praise God. I'm sure. I'm sure Noah's sons offended him while he was on the boat, but he didn't throw him off. I'm sure the giraffe. I'm sure the giraffe made a stink in the ark, but he didn't chuck it out of the ark. Amen. Uh, because we're in a small, tight Jesus boat. Amen. And, and we're going to rub shoulders with each other, and we're going to accidentally step on toes with one another. But you got to love your brother. I just want to say that you gotta love your brother. You gotta love your sister. We're all in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're all part of one body. Amen. We're all called in one hope of our calling. We're all in this together. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the bride of Christ. And I'm just—I'm not saying—I'm saying—I'm not saying any of this because I feel the things off. I'm just putting it. I'm just reminding it to be in the culture. Let brotherly love. Continue, Well, they offended me, let brotherly love continue. Forbear one another, love one another, take one another's burdens, pray for one another, fast for one another, lift one another up when they've fallen. Now, when you see your brother overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, strengthen such a one. That's hospitality, that's serving, that's brotherly love. Let brotherly love continue. And if you notice these two motifs in, in Genesis 18, when you see Hospitality, and you see intercession, you're gonna find these two things the love of your brother, that's intercession, and the love of strangers, that's hospitality. Amen. Verse two. Now I, I I'm gonna do my best to articulate this revelation, and, and again, I know you can't teach revelation, it's gotta get into the it's gotta get out there. But I pray while I teach this that the Holy Ghost would deposit this in our spirit. Amen. This is a key to revival, church. This is a key to our church going to the next level. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. I've tried my best to articulate this through the years. This Bible verse is the best way I can do it. Amen. Because thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Abraham entertained angels and he didn't even know it. He was entertaining the Lord, and he didn't even know it. He was just doing what his heart full of love called him to do. He was just being hospitable. And if these were three random, dirty farmers, he would have taken care of them. But just like he took care of these angels and anybody else that came by, I want to tell you, this, this is powerful because when you consider what happens to Abraham after this moment, the angels don't say anything to him except for, yeah, go ahead and be hospitable. They don't say anything until after he has served them. And after Abraham has served them, all of a sudden they start saying, this time next year the, a, the word of the Lord has come. Your wife is going to have a son. And there's now a fulfillment of prophecy and promise. Uh, I wonder what would have happened. Uh, amen. If Abraham... Abraham would have said, these jokers need to find somewhere else to go. These these folks, you know what? I don't have enough time right now. It's just not a good moment if he'd have sent them down the way. I just wonder here tonight if he would have missed an opportunity to entertain angels unaware. It was in that same moment he had an opportunity to intercede for his brother Lot that he would have missed if he would have forgot to entertain these strangers. Now, I've I've tried to articulate this the best I can, but I remember, and and many of you that have come from other places that have have seen great revival, I I have seen with my own eyes that every season of our church was unique in my home church where I came from. There were seasons where we expanded and we grew by a lot of people. And then there were seasons where we lost a lot of people. But in that season where it seemed to dip, when everybody's morale was low, Amen, just put this in your pocket for the future. Amen, when people felt like abandoning ship and jumping overboard because it's never going to happen. In those moments, I can mark it down in my brain, I remember their faces, I remember their names, I remember what they were when they came in, that God would send in people that were hard to love. It'd be one thing if he sent him in in times when the church is excited. Oh, we'll just we'll just shuffle it under the rug and hey, man, praise God. And uh, and I I remember there were moments like this. I, I remember one man, and I'll just say one story for the sake of time. But I got more than we have time. Brother Nick, brother Nick, we picked up brother Nick. He was about six foot five, about four hundred pounds. Dude was huge. And uh, and brother Nick was coming from the Carlisle. I used to teach a Bible study of this this borderline insane asylum it was like a check-in check-out type hotel i'll tell you the cool stories later but uh, we picked up brother nick i don't even know how we got connected with him he just showed up one day we didn't we didn't get connected with him uh, he connected with us first he just came in and brother nick i'm gonna be honest with you brother nick smelled brother nick talked a little bit funny it was because he was in vietnam and he had shrapnel in his head and and he say, praise the lord brother and Brother Nick would say Amen at the wrong times and he would always clap off beat. Amen. Some of y'all got that gift. Praise God. Amen. Some of y'all got that gift and then you add a little extra pizzazz to it with a tambourine. Praise God. But 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 he would he would clap off beat and he would say amen at the wrong time. And he'd stand up to testify and he forgot his belt. Well, praise God. Amen. It was not very churchy. Oh man, it was not very pretty. But you know, every so often Brother Nick would walk in. And that shrapnel would shift in his brain. And he'd go from, "Praise the Lord, brother, to the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. As if he was back in Vietnam. And he was quoting scriptures. Brother Nick was very difficult. He was frustrating. Y'all just sit there and act holy. You ain't never dealt with nobody like this. I know when I came to church, I was kind of like this. Hard to love. Hard to deal with. Just annoying. And he came at one of the hardest times in our church's existence. And we thought, could you just send some normal people? Amen. I've worked with people long enough and I've pastored long enough that sometimes I just pray, God, would you please just send us some normal people? Hallelujah. And then I remember God brought me into the church and I'm not that normal. And so such were some of us. And Brother Nick was hard to deal with. But I remember the church, as hard as it was, was so full of the love of God that we took care of Nick. As best as we could. I'm gonna And we picked him up, even though it was an hour away to get him to drop off. And and we just made sure we got him to and from church. And I'm trying to prepare Apostolic Revival Center for the revival God wants to bring us, and the revival God's going to bring us, and the souls God's going to bring us. They are going to come in by the droves like Brother Nick. They won't always smell right. They won't always look right. They won't always act right. We've already had that. This church has got a great track record of loving on these kind of people, and I believe it's part of the success of ARC. But I just remember Brother Nick. We loved him. We loved him. We loved him. We loved him, even though he was hard to love. And Christmas Eve, a couple years, about a year later, Brother Nick died, and we put on a funeral for Brother Nick, and only people that showed up was his mom and his dad from his family and the entire church. What a testimony for his mother and his father. And I, I can't correlate this by, by the attendance record. I can't go back and ask the secretary, can you show me the service? Brother Nick died and we all showed up and can you show me the next service? And there was a million people that showed up. I can't show you that, but I can promise you this, that after people like Brother Nick came through and the church proved that we would love on them, I want to tell you there was a great swelling of the church. Uh, It took the church from, it, it wasn't, everybody showed up that was easy to love. It was the people that were difficult to love. They were hard to love and I just have to believe God was sending some strangers by to see how the church would handle them. And God was sending some strangers by to see how the church would love them. And if we pass the test of the stranger, God would send a mighty miracle. God would fulfill promises. God would fulfill prophecies. God would send miracles, signs, and wonders. I just want to prepare the church. God's about to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. But it doesn't start miracles, signs, and wonders. It starts with strangers. It starts with people that get on your nerves. It starts with people that just treat you a wrong way, uh, that step on your toes. Uh, but you say, I'm going to love them anyways. Uh, I'm going to be hospitable to them anyway. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. Praise God. Amen. So I, 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 I can't articulate this. I can't, I can't put it on a graph for you, and I love graphs love spreadsheets, but I, I, I can just tell you, I remember every season that, that this happened and every season that this happened, uh, amen, if we pass the stranger test and the hospitality test, God would send a great revival, and we would have miracles, signs, and wonders. And I want to tell you, church, amen, God's already done it here at ARC, amen. And there's been times, amen, that we've passed and we failed. I don't know what those times are, amen. But I want to tell you, God's going to keep sending those strangers, amen. There were times where people that were not like Brother Nick. We never got their name. They just showed up, amen, to see how we would treat them. I used to pick a guy up for church, amen, you're going to have to bear with me in my folly. I think this guy was an angel. I used to pick this guy. I remember going to our church conference. It was downtown. Amen. I saw this guy. We just got done with an incredible service. Everybody's seeking God. And we were just talking about soul winning. And here was this guy that he wasn't there the whole service. He just he just appeared. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You're just going to have to, you could just tell me I'm crazy. I'll be like, Paul, whether I was in the, thir- the, the third heaven or not, I don't know. Amen. Whether it was in the spirit of the flesh, I don't know. But this guy was there, and he was just, he just, he just man, he was all messed up. And uh, I walked back to him because I felt so convicted. Everybody else was talking about where they're going to go to eat. Nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me. we got lives to live and things to do. I'm not saying anything opposite. Amen. But I just felt convicted for myself. And let me just put a plug here. Uh, Do not put on to other people the the very uh, compelling things God's putting on you. God might be compelling you to do something that he's not compelling. Is that all right? Is that all right? God might have you pick up somebody, but he's not asking, he's not asking me to pick them up. Amen. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got some folks always try to give me a little task. I don't need any more tasks. I've got a lot of things to do. I've got a lot of people to talk to. If God's laying somebody on your heart, that means God's laying somebody on your heart. Amen. You go reach them. You go talk to them. You go teach them. Amen. I'll do all I can. If I can, I'll do it. But, but that might mean that God's putting a stranger in your path. And I'll never forget, I just I told this guy, I said, Hey, we got church on Sunday, I'll pick you up. And man, I'll tell you, I, I wanted to stand 30 feet back from this guy. He hadn't showered in three years. He said, I'm outside the mission. I said, I'll I'll be there at this time. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to show up, but I showed up. And guess who was standing there? This guy was standing there. He got in my car and I had to roll the window down in the winter time. It was it was bad. Hey Amen. He stunk my car up for the entire week until the next Sunday I picked him up. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I tried to shower it, do everything, shampoo it, and he got back in. And on the last time I picked him up, he just gave me a little poem that he wrote about being a Christian. I don't remember what it was. I should have taken a picture of it, but back then I wouldn't really think about that. Because I thought I'll see him next week. It was incredible. It was about the reality of Christianity, how we are to love the unlovable. And I went back the next Sunday. Lo and behold, he was not there. But every time I picked him up and brought him to church, he didn't smell right. It was tough. But the people loved him. And they treated him well. And a great revival came from that. Amen. I just feel like we ought to lift up our hands for a moment. I'm going to teach a little bit more from the Bible. But I just want to, hopefully that gets into your spirit. Because I believe that God's about to send a mighty revival to this church. And God wants to use the likes of you and I to be hospitable to the stranger. And God's going to fill our boat with all types of fish. Would you pray all across this house? Praise God. I'm going to teach this real quick. Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. You may be entertaining angels, and you may be entertaining Jesus. You never know. You never know. Well, Pastor, what Bible are you reading out of? Well, this one right here. Matthew 25. You just pull it up in your Bible. Verse 35. 25 and 35. Jesus speaking, for I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and took you in? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or shut in? And we came to visit you. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, In so much as you have done it unto one. Oh, we got to do it to a million of them. No. Find one. Find one person. You know, somebody put it best. What you wish you could do for all, do for one. I want to reach the world, so I'm going to work on one. Hallelujah. If you want to reach Carson City, work on one person in Carson City. Amen. And and the stranger you'll encounter is not the stranger I'll encounter. And, and I'm not saying every stranger is going to come in and be an angel or be the Lord. Amen. But Jesus is saying, as you've done it unto one of the greatest. No, no, the greatest, right? Isn't that what it says? The best to the least. Even if it's one of the least. Now, this is a church for all people. You We have people come from all walks of life. You're going to have people that own their own businesses. They, they, Man, maybe they got a yacht. Praise God for the yacht. We'll take a church trip on the yacht. Amen. Uh, and then there's going to be people that don't have a car. They walk to church. People from all walks of life. You never know. They're strangers, but God's going to send them. And he said, in so much you've done it unto one of the least. these my brethren. You have done it unto me. Amen. Skipping back just a couple chapters. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. I hope this is all right. I, told, I already prefaced It's a little unorthodox here tonight. But it's within the text, amen, of what Abraham did. And the reason that Jesus even talks about the reason the Old Testament even talks about it, amen, is because Abraham, amen, in fact, I, I personally believe it's because of prophecy Abraham received before the stranger showed up. God told him that one day your children are going to be strangers somewhere. So when he saw strangers, he wanted to make sure. We don't believe in karma. We don't believe in paying it forward. But we do believe you reap what you sow hallelujah we do believe amen that we want to sow bountifully and we want to sow good things and we want to we want to we want to show forth love and everybody said amen and so uh, verse 42 and what and whosoever shall give to drink one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple not even the master just in the name of a disciple the person that's given the water isn't even a disciple Okay, you're going to notice something here. Verily, I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. That's how we often read stuff like that or believe stuff like that. We often believe it is those that are hospitable to the great that become greater. If you rub shoulders, you know, win friends, influence people. You got to get in the right circle. Got to get in the right crowd. That's going to make you a better person. Help you climb up the ladder. You know, I I I thank God for everybody that uh, you know that that wants to bake me a cake. Amen. God bless you. Uh, Gluten free is preferable. Amen. But you know, I I wanted to say this. It's it doesn't say whosoever does this and gives the pastor this. It says whosoever takes and finds. One of these little ones, you know, in that day and time, in the Roman time, uh, that that children were despised. In fact, when the children came to Jesus, the disciples said, "Get rid of them. They're 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 a nuisance." Amen. Church this is why we actively reach for children. We love children. We want all the children. We want all the young people. Amen. Praise God. And I know that's the heartbeat of this church. But He's saying, if you give a drink. of of a little cup of water uh, to one of these little ones in the name of a little disciple. Amen. You're not even the disciple. If you are hospitable to the least, you become greater. Amen. I want to tell you, you don't become greater in the kingdom by going and trying to rub shoulders with what you consider greatness. You become greater in the kingdom by finding somebody else, uh, amen, that is less than, that, that that needs something. I'm talking about somebody that maybe they're poor and they, in, in, in physical form, and you love on them, or maybe they're just poor in spirit. They don't have the gospel yet, and you love on them, and you take time for them, and you work with them. I want to tell you, this is why I'm preaching to you today, because a kid from a drug home came into church, and the church loved this annoying 13-year-old kid. And they love me back to life. Uh, amen. And and I want to tell you, I'm pastoring here today because of a people that loved. If there's people here today, you're here because somebody in the church said, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a cup of cold water. You're not the greatest, but I still think you're worth some water. I still think you're worth my time. I want to tell you everybody's worth our time. Everybody's worth our effort. Everybody's worth I want to tell you, church, we're on our road uh, to become a great church, uh, to become a greater church, uh, not because we're trying to rub shoulders with the great uh, and trying to appear on Instagram with everybody else, uh, but we're trying to find one, uh, just one, uh, just one uh, that needs God, just one that needs love, just one that needs hospitality, just one. Hallelujah. We'll find the one. Amen. He says you're going to get a reward. Luke chapter 14, and I'll end here. Verse 12. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 12. Then said he, oh wait, I hear a couple more pages. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Writing it down. Jesus speaking. Then see, said he also to, the, to him that bade him, When you make a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made to thee. Now is it Jesus saying, "Don't eat with your friends or your family." No, no, he's not saying you don't. He's not saying you have to share Thanksgiving meal. Uh, with everybody but your family. Although you might like that. That might be a good one. <laughs> Save a lot of arguments, praise God. <laughs> but he's saying this, there's people that have a custom. They only invite the great. They only spend time with people they think are worthy of their time. Now, I'm not saying, please understand, I hope you hope you hear my heart. I don't think that, I'm not saying this because I feel like anybody's like this. Amen, I'm not saying this because I think that, man, people need to be, I don't think we need to use the word to beat anybody over the head anyways, but but I think that this is something that we can get from Abraham, who didn't have a law. Amen. He's 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 serving under Melchizedek, who the Bible says Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. And the attitude in which he deals with strangers, he didn't need a law to tell him to take care of strangers and to love on people. Amen. He didn't need a, a verse or a chapter. Amen. He just, he just saw a stranger. He saw somebody in need, was like, man, I better help him. Amen. He knew what it was to wander in a land that was not his. He knew what it was to be a stranger. He knew what it was to enter into areas that were not safe. He knew what it was. And I want to tell every person in this building, that you've got a testimony of what God has done in your life. Please, for the love of God and the love of people, don't forget where God brought you from. Hallelujah. Let me just say this, don't let our cars ever get too nice that we can't fill it with people. Don't let our church ever get too nice where we can't fill it with the center. Amen, don't let our, come on, come on somebody, don't let us, don't let us ever get so perfect and so put together that the imperfect aren't welcome. I want to tell you, they're always going to have a place at ARC, they're always going to have a place in our. Somebody said, if you got more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. Say it again, when you get more than you need, don't build a bigger, don't build a higher fence, build a bigger table. I want to tell you, this is what made the church great in Acts chapter 2. They continued steadfastly in the apostle's doctrine, breaking of bread and prayers from house to house. Well, brother, I just don't like people coming over my house. All right, that's all right. So, you know, maybe that's you at the max of the Holy Ghost working in your life. That's all right. Amen. Uh, Everybody's got to have a line in their life. You know, you gotta have a line. Maybe you're not the type of person that says, I'm gonna let everybody move in with me. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to you don't have to do that. There's no you know, and I love when people use these verses, and I'm just gonna say this for the sake of everybody's like, oh no, what is Pastor saying? Oh my goodness, is he saying I have to do this, that, and the other? No. There's always people that want to weaponize verses like this, and they come by and they go, You haven't invited me over to eat in a while. I notice you have a extra car. You know, I noticed, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I noticed you have an extra room in your house. And I don't really feel like paying rent. Hey, glory. I noticed that you have, you know, they're that's a greedy person. They're looking at everything you have and they've actually got a better accountant than you do. <laughs> and they're looking at everything you got. Amen. And they've, they they should work for the IRS cuz they've audited you. They know exactly what you what you got what you own and they're auditing it to find out well brother you need to share that no don't let somebody weaponize this and 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 don't let somebody who's not saved or not a christian try to tell you what a christian is you let the bible teach it to you amen if is that balanced? Are we okay here? I'm not saying you got to you got to invite Carson City to live in your backyard. This ain't become a tent city. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we got to be we got to be mindful to entertain strangers, to entertain the least of these, to entertain people that cannot repay us at all. Let's finish the verse. When you make a feast, it means you got more than enough. Listen, if you're struggling to make ends meet, don't be like my father. Love my father, great thing. He'd give away our food to somebody else when we needed food. He'd give our rent money when we needed the rent money he'd give away the clo- the money to buy my school clothes so somebody else could buy school clothes. Amen. That that is not virtuous. That is not okay. You cannot do that. That is not biblical. The Bible says if a person does not provide for their own and especially those of their own household, they have denied the faith, faith and they are worse than an unbeliever. That's in your Bible. You got to take care of your own. Take care of your family. But when you make a feast that means you're doing a celebration, that means you got more than enough. Amen. He said call the poor, call the maimed, call the lame, call the the blind and thou shalt be blessed who wants to be blessed in the house who wants to have more than enough when god gives you more than enough i give you the secret to getting more than more than more than enough when god gives you more than enough you bid people that can't repay you you take people you help people out that that you expect nothing back from them and God looks down and says, that person is going to be blessed. That person is going to be taken care of. Hey, they, they can't pay you back, but I can. That person can't take care of you, but I can. That, they don't have enough to repay you, but I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And he's a God that takes care of the widow, the fatherless, the stranger, the down and out. And he's a God that will take care of those that take care of those kind of people. Let's stand across the building and let's lift up our hands all across this house. Come on. If you want to be blessed, lift up your hands. Come on, Abraham. Amen, your miracle, your promise, the answer to your prophecy is in whether or not you can be hospitable. Amen, Sodom and Gomorrah, you're about to be judged based on how hospitable you were to two angels uh, that you didn't recognize as angels. Uh, You tried to defile them and wreck them, uh, and God said, I'm going to judge this city. Uh, Abraham, you took care of the stranger. You loved on him. You fed him, and you got an answer to your prayers. I can't articulate this any better. I wish I had better words. I wish I had better words. But this is a revelation. Well, who's a stranger? It's like when Jesus was asked the question, who then is my neighbor? You know, your neighbor is not my neighbor. You know why? We all live in a different neighborhood. Right? It's a simple, simple. Which means... God is going to put somebody in your neighborhood to be, for you to be a neighbor too. The, the, Jesus tells the story of the, of, of, of the Good Samaritan. The priest and Levite, they walk by, and guess who's lying in their path? The stranger. And this is what they did. Somebody else needs to take care of that. I'm going be honest with you. I'm never going to do a barbecue in your neighborhood. It's not going to happen but I can do one in mine. Praise God. And listen, I want to be balanced. We do church barbecues. We do all sorts of stuff. We invite the whole city out. But you know, and there's times we do family barbecue. We just invite a few people. We just do a, you know, do a couple things. But this is a key to revival, church. It's finding a moment where you can invite people that have no connection to the church. Hallelujah. I might just preach myself here tonight. I don't know. We'll see. And you find people in your path. You work with them. I don't. You go to school with them. I don't. Amen. There are people that contact you when they have trouble, not me. Pastor, can you talk to this person? I will. I'm willing to. I'm willing to. The truth is God's going to put them in your path. And there are people that if we're not careful, we'll get so busy in our life that we'll think, not my responsibility. I'm going this way. But that was a stranger. And there was a blessing connected to that stranger that God put in your path. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to be blessed. I wonder how many miracles, provision, and blessings are connected to connecting with your stranger. A stranger that God brought into your life. You know, for all my extroverts, we've never met a stranger, it's just a friend we haven't met yet. (laughs) But you know, there's some introverts you're really good at texting. I know. (laughs) <laughs> really good at Facebook. A little too good at Facebook. Probably need to get off of it because you do too much of it. But you know, use what you got. Oh, man. Pastor, I want you to come over. I'll try. i got a busy schedule. I'll try. I love it, man. I, I love it. We try. You know, we're. We've, I hope you know since we got here, we try to be hospital. We try to take people out. To eat. We, we love spending time with church people. But you know... I'm also spending time with people that don't yet come to this church because I think that's what God wants all of us to do. Amen. Jesus said put it this way. He said, I have sheep you don't even know of. I got people that are, they're saints, they just don't know it yet. Praise God. They're they're part of ARC. They just haven't come to church yet. They they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. And you know, sometimes it looks like barbecue. Praise God. Sometimes it looks like we just we just spend time just chatting about uh, the best brisket recipe. Sometimes it just seems like we just talk about all these other things that have nothing to do with nothing else. But it's a stranger, God put in my path. Uh, and we got to just work uh, with what we got. I hope I, I hope the Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody right now. You know, there's some folks you're really good at certain things. You like doing certain things. Pastor, can you come over? You know, I will. But man, there's somebody else at this church that would sure love to come over. That doesn't get invited very much. Is this all right? Is this all right? We've we've already set the rule a long time ago. When it comes to new people and visitors, please, if you're newer or you're visiting, just make this part of your culture. Whoever gets to them first, whoever gets to them first. You want to go out to eat? <laughs> Man, these people are too excited. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It's whoever gets to them for, Well, I'm sorry, but I already got five invites. I hope before it's all said and done in ARC, amen, that there's people before they even leave the building, they've got 10 invites to go out to grab coffee, to go grab food. I want to tell you, that's a secret to revival. You never know if they're going to be a saint of God or if they're just a stranger that God was bringing into the building for for a test. Would you lift up your hands? Thank you for your attention. I know it's a little different here tonight. I know it's a little unorthodox for a Wednesday night Bible study. But would you lift up your hands right now? As I've been speaking, you're already starting to think. Sometimes it's somebody that you think, man, I I just, I just, that person just irritates me. Amen. Or maybe it's somebody you actually get along with. That's all right. Why don't you pray about them right now? Why don't you pray, God, uh, amen, would you open up a door for me to talk with them about you? Uh, Would you open up a door, an opportunity for me to share the gospel? Gospel. Would you open up an opportunity for me to invite them over to my home? We'll just talk about the Lord. We'll just talk about the word. We'll just, we'll just talk about the things of God. Would you open up an opportunity for me to go meet with them at coffee or meet with them at a restaurant or meet with them somewhere and entertain strangers? Hallelujah. We're going to come down to the front here in a minute. We're going to pray. I hope this is all right. Please I hope you hear my heart. I I, I don't want this to come across like, Pastor saying we're not doing this. That's not what I'm saying. Please, that's not what I'm saying. But I'll tell you what. Well, Pastor, I don't know a whole lot about the word, but there's some people, you are so good at hospitality. You know how to draw a crowd, and you can get people to come to your house. Amen. You know how to cook a meal. Brother, just sister, get them to your house. Get, get them there somehow, some way. Amen. And some of these young men that want to learn how to preach, they can come and they can fumble over a Bible study, but I'll tell you what, it'll be good for them. It'll be good for them. It'll be good for them. Amen. And there's some other folks, well, I don't feel like I know my purpose in the church. I feel like I just don't know. Uh, instead of waiting for a position or a title, uh, amen, the greatest thing we can do, the Bible says we've had all been given the ministry of reconciliation, which is what? We take the stranger and... And we make them sons and daughters. We take the, the unknown and we make them known. We take the person that's out and we reconnect them. I want to tell you what the church has got to be full of. We've got to be full of fishermen. We've got to be full of connectors. We've got to be full of people that entertain strangers. And for all my party animals that love to just throw on parties and everything like that, God bless you. You just keep doing it. But make sure when you have that party you bring in people that don't know nothing about this gospel as well. Hey man, would you come down to the front? We're going to pray about this here tonight. Wouldn't feel right if we didn't have at least an altar call where we prayed about entertaining strangers. Entertaining strangers. Come on all across this building. We need some Abrahams that Maybe you're waiting on a miracle, you're waiting on provision, you're waiting on a blessing, you're waiting on God to do something. You know there's some folks you got testimonies of, of blessings that came from these moments of entertaining strangers. I wanna tell you, don't forget where your blessing came from. Don't forget, amen, if God gave you a new car, amen, it wasn't just for you to ride around in style, so you had more seats to find somebody to pick them up. If God gave you a beautiful home, uh, amen, with those nice couches, I wanna tell you what God's using that for. Amen. To have somebody over and talk to them about Jesus. Uh, God has blessed you with provision, Amen. Why don't you find somebody, uh, Amen, that that has a need? And, and I'm not saying you got to give away the farm, but brothers and sisters, entertain strangers and bless somebody in the name of Jesus. Bless somebody, uh, Amen, that needs a blessing. Uh, don't just bless people that that already got a blessing. Uh, go find somebody uh, and just love them like Jesus would love them. And just take care of them as Jesus would take care of them. And, Come on, that's it. Is that all right? Somebody pray all across this building. Lord, I pray right now, when you bring people to ARC, when you bring people to ARC, it doesn't matter how they show up. They can show up, amen, and they can show up in the newest model of the newest car. We're going to treat that stranger with love. They can show up on a bicycle, amen. We are going to treat them with love. We're going to treat them with hospitality, God, because that's what you would do. Somebody pray.
1: You use these hands. You can For your come on that's it somebody
0: pray your glory that's where some folks are at you might have forgotten this this is where your blessings found
1: can' day use these hands, you can use this voice for your kingdom and your glory, Lord. I want to be a willing vessel, a vessel you can use. To be a willing vessel, the instrument you choose. I want to empty of myself, available to you. So let me be a willing vessel. Soul, you can use maybe an unknown place or a foreign soul. I am yielded now, send me, I'll go to share this gospel with those who have never heard i empty myself completely i want to be a willing vessel a vessel you can use i want to be you choose I want to empty of myself available to you so A vessel you can use I want to be a willing vessel The instrument you choose I want to empty of myself Available to you So let me be a willing vessel a vessel you can use I want to be a willing vessel Would you lift
0: up your hands as we pray this? Church, I know it's a little orthodox, but I wonder if we would have never received Isaac if Abraham hadn't taken time out of his schedule to entertain some strangers. I wonder if he would have wandered for another 30 years before the promise was fulfilled, if he wouldn't have taken time out of his schedule to treat somebody who the rest of the world would have treated like dirt, to treat them like royalty. It wasn't until they opened their, until the angel of the Lord opened his mouth and said, "This time next year." It reminds me of the, of the, of the woman that was the, uh, the, somebody help me out here, Shunammite woman. That this man would walk by, and week by week she'd see him walking by. She looked at her husband. She said, "God's stirring my heart." to do something for this guy who's wandering. It wasn't, oh, this guy is going to give me a, he's going to give me a word, he's going to prophesy, I'm going to have a kid, all my miracles are going to work out, and she had a vision of what would come. No, 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 we get the benefit of reading the Bible. They don't get that benefit. They just see a stranger. And she said, she said to her husband, and you know we always, the Bible says she was a great woman, but I want to tell you, She had a great husband, too. She said, you know you've got those power tools, right? You know that day off you thought you had? (laughs) All the men said, amen, praise God. (laughs) We're going to go do something for somebody else. And that husband said, if God's leading us to do it, that's what we're going to do. And he built a room up there with a table, a bed, a candle. It was only after the fact they brought him in they kept bringing him to eat built him a room they found out he's not just a stranger he's a prophet and from that act of hospitality she got a son and she got a son that same son that died later got resurrected she got two miracles out of the same out of the same offering praise god out of the she went back up and she will she laid the boy on the bed that she built for the prophet Praise God. You know there's some people right now you're struggling. You need to go back to some of those moments where you said, "Lord, you remember where I was hospitable to strangers and you said you would always take care of those that take care of the stranger." Come on somebody. We 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 believe in the promises of God and I mean all the promises of God. That's in the word of the Lord. Praise God. There are miracles connected to this. There are promises and prophecies that will be fulfilled connected to this. I want to tell you, I feel like it is the culture of ARC, but I believe it's the culture God wants to exponentially multiply where we just find people that we're good when they come in. But what would happen if we found somebody who hadn't even come in yet? We just, we got, we're, we're getting there. We got that too. But what would happen if we just started being hospitable? Hey Amen. We find somebody and we just love on them, love on them, love on them. like, Jesus, I'll tell you what will happen. You're going to have more blessings in your home than you can count. You're going to have more blessings in your fa- Yeah, the devil's going to fight you. Yeah, the devil's going to attack you. But I want to tell you, God's going to come through for you time and time again. Would you lift up your hands all across this building? Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray, God, that this, amen, that this is a cultural thing, God. This is a building lives kind of thing right here and i pray god that you would put this so deep in our spirit and deep in our soul amen god that when we see somebody amen this stranger might come in different shapes and sizes the stranger might come in homeless the stranger might come in owning a business it doesn't matter how the stranger shows up all that matters is we're going to love them like you love them we're going to treat them the way you would treat them amen and i believe god there's blessings connected to that in jesus name and everybody said amen. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? Amen. Hallelujah. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Let's not forget Sunday service at 1.30 p.m. Invite somebody. Let's go find a stranger. Bring them to church. In Jesus' name, God bless you.